Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. It is fantastic to be here with you, and it's actually an incredible honor. We um, absolutely love Pastor Matt and Franca, Pastor Franca, and um, to be able to come and speak to you as a church is such an honor. Um, we, I've got to say too, Allie over here was my nanny um, for the first year of my first son's life. I love Allie Hines. I think she's amazing. She is, seriously, I, I've never been able to find her equal. As an, and I, I look back on that time and God totally gave me Allie as our nanny. And Allie was only 19 years old at the time and I had a three-month-old baby and went back to work. I'm, I'm, and I don't trust easily, but I just supernaturally trusted her. So, um, And I have not been able to find her equal since she left. So come back, Allie. <laughs> we call her Miss Sally. We got our son to call her Miss Sally. Um, I am um, at Horizon Church with Pastor Brad and Pastor Ali, and um, I love being there. Um, it's just an amazing privilege. Um, as well as that, I'm a wife of one, and I can put a photo of my hot husband. Oh, that's not my husband. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is my husband. He's not Greek. I know he looks a little bit Greek, and he's um, a beautiful man. Um, if you're sitting here today, by the way, and you're like, oh, Mother's Day just stirs up stuff, you know, because I don't have kids or I had a bad experience with my mum, I just really relate to that. I got married quite late um, in life and had children very, very quickly after that. And I just want to say, um, God's got something great for you tonight. Um, if that's your situation in life and if you've had a hard time with your mum, I want to speak to that too, actually. Um, but that is my gorgeous husband. And I do have two little boys um, and I can have the, that picture up. Yeah. Um, they're a little bit older than in this photo, but was, this is the best one I could find together. Um, basically, um, they're, they're beautiful kids and motherhood is an incredible privilege. Um, my life really is a little bit crazy. I am a control freak by nature. So really, my life goes somewhere on any day-to-day -day basis from Marie Kondo control freak <laughs> to nuclear holocaust because I can't keep it all together, working and kids and so forth. But I love being a mum and it's um, one of life's greatest privileges, something that I think in parts of life I thought I'd never get to do. And so it's just a really special gift that God's given. Um, my two kids, and that can go down. Um, I have Oliver, who is our first child, and he is this bright, intelligent, um, musical little boy that is very exacting and kind of runs our house. He owns me and my husband on a regular basis. And he likes to think he's the third parent. So he will discipline his little brother. And just recently I was saying to him, Ollie, you know, you need to actually stop telling Harry, his brother, what to do because you're not the daddy. And without even a blink, he came back to me with, actually, some people like to call me the little daddy. And like he was dead serious. I am not even kidding. Uh, our second child to us is an anomaly. We actually can't understand how um, Harrison came out of the gene pool of Andrew and I. It just makes no sense to us. He is um, very funny, very cheeky, very, very joyful child um, and completely different to anybody in our family. He is the only one in our family who is not a first child. So please pray for him. Um, and he just to me is God's gift to us to say, um, you know what? It's okay to color outside the lines. It's actually a really good thing. That kid has so much energy that he will kiss you on the cheeks because he loves you and then slap you on the face in affection because he has so much energy to burn. Um, so I've got two very, very different little kids. Um, and I've got to say, um, 
Parenting, if you're a parent, you'll understand this, is very, very confronting. Um, I've got to say, coming to parenthood much later in life um, than most, actually. Um, I'm 41 if you're doing the calculations and I'm turning 42. <laughs> um, I've got to say, it is confronting. And if I could have a time machine, I'd go back and apologise to all the people I judged because I absolutely had no idea when I didn't have them. I'd, the peop- I'd become what I judged, basically. Um, and... I've got to say, like most things in life, um, though they say parenthood changes you, you know, and if you're a parent here who agrees with that, I do think it changes you. But like marriage, as well as changing you, I really believe that parenthood has been a big fat magnifying glass over my life. And I feel like um, what parenthood has done for me is um, all the amazing traits that I I think exist, you know. um, I've gone, you know what, I really am as organised as I thought I was. Gee, I am dominating in life today um, when you have to juggle an extra two um, in the mix. But I've got to say, it puts another kind of magnifying glass up as well. And I feel like as a parent, um, you this magnifying glass comes over you and shows you what's on the inside that may not still be dealt with or um, just some of the ugly traits or propensities that that you thought you would have grown out of, but parenthood just makes it bigger. And I had one of those magnifying glass moments last summer. Um, My husband and I thought, um, Ollie, our eldest child at three, it was time for him uh, to go to swimming lessons. Um, And so we thought, um, Ollie is like a child prodigy and uh, he was born on his due date and that is a miracle. And he toilet trained himself within two days. Like, that's pretty amazing. I reckon if we sign him up for a summer intensive, by the end of the week, he is going to be in Olympic gold medal contention for the 50 metre freestyle. So let's just go for it. And we think he's mature enough to to take this on. Let's just go for it. Um, Well, on this day that we signed him up for swimming, He absolutely forgot himself. And when you take a toddler to swimming, and some may be familiar with the process, they make you stay. You can't just go off and have a coffee with your friends. You can't just go shopping or sit on the grass while they're doing it and read a book. You actually have to sit and, you know, I was kind of proud. I thought, this this kid's going to show up and and go well today and make us all proud. So I'm sitting at the the base of the pool watching this... uh, kind of unfold. And it's like the minute that he put those goggles on, he lost his head and became something that I had never seen in my life. So he gets up and he pushes his non-swimming toddler peers into the Olympic pool. He picks up the teacher's notes and the role with a big smile on his face, no less, and throws them into the lane that they're in. And he laughs in his teacher's face as if he enjoyed doing the lot of it. Now, (laughs) immediately, without censoring in my unfiltered state, without being able to catch myself, I shouted to myself in my own head, you are shaming me. (laughs) Completely embarrassed me. And it took me back in that moment, weirdly enough, as my kid's just losing his head, to a time when I felt I'm not enough, I'm totally and utterly embarrassed by me, I want to hide from life, 
it's like my old friend had showed up again, Shane. And this is what I want to talk about tonight, because I believe that whether you've come along um, as a friend with someone tonight, whether you come here a lot, or whether you're part of the Chadston campus or any other campuses are part of this, I feel like shame is a really common human experience that all of us can relate to. I've got to say, shame entered my life very, very early on. Um, and it's root system because it becomes something that takes root um, and, and gets its tentacles into every area of your life. And it got a hold on me through a damaging little secret um, about my mum that my family kept. Um, my mum suffered from severe mental illness and she was actually diagnosed as bipolar um, when I was born. So it all came to a head and manifested in the most huge um, possible way when I was born. Um, and it became something, and if you have mental illness in your family or you yourself struggle, please know from me there is absolutely no judgment. The shame for me actually came with how we as a family handled this situation in our family and how we cared for our mum. So. It was our family secret. My mum, on one level, was this beautiful, loving, bright, fun mum. She was totally kind of the opposite of me. I'm actually probably more on the serious scale. <laughs> but she was fun. She was the kind of mum that adopted puppies and kittens and brought home every waif and stray. She made cubby houses in between all the piles of washing that never got folded because she was really not a particularly organised person. Um, but... Her hospital admissions were kept a secret. Her deter rapidly deteriorating mental health was concealed. And the pain that we were feeling as a family was kept in the four walls of our home. And so for me, on the outside, everything looked great. I was performing really well at school. I was the top of my class academically. I was a youth leader in the church. I knew how to relate to adults and children alike. But deep down in the reality of my heart, things were absolutely falling apart. I held deep shame, feelings that I, I'm not enough, I'm embarrassed, and basically I wanted to hide from life in disgust. Now, Maybe you're new here tonight to the idea of God and the idea of belief and spirituality, but I firmly believe that there is an enemy of your soul on the prowl to destroy you, and there is so much to prove it in the world. Um, and I found once this shame took root in my life through this secret that my family kept that I had to hide from and not be real about how I was really feeling on the inside, um, I found that the enemy was quite willing to provide voices in my life to confirm how I feel. So it was the harsh grandfather that would be critical of me and any time um, I showed femininity or any time um, I talked about being a mom or um, any of those things that are especially for women. He came in with, don't be so stupid. Don't you be so stupid. And then I had the voice of the drama teacher. And I love drama and English literature. In fact, it's my background before ministry, um, teaching English and history. And I remember this drama teacher when I went for a lead role in Much Ado About Nothing saying, you can't play that role. You have masculine features. You won't be able to play that role. And then 
It was the colleague when I started teaching, um, yelling at me in front of um, a whole bunch of people in a staff room, confirming the shame and embarrassment that I had taken on as a root system in my life. So it's, it's, it's amazing how the enemy is so willing to do that. And it's such an old trick, isn't it, of the enemy. Um, instead of making you realize that um, you've done wrong, and therefore there is actually a God into whom's arms that you can fall into the arms of grace, whether it's maybe it's the wrong done to you, and that if you are vulnerable with God and honest to him as a loving father that he would take you and heal you and his heart is for you. No, the enemy, instead of actually looking at what's going on for you and the, the root of shame that's grown up and isolating sin or the sin done to you, actually says, not the sin, but you are wrong. You are unworthy. You are rubbish. You should be ashamed. You are dirty and you are no good. And the problem with that and the reason why I feel like this is such a common thing in our society and it's such a, a horrible part of the human experience is that this shame limits and binds and it, and it removes the, the destiny and the dignity of people. And what it does is it shuts your mouth and it crushes your voice and it, it will crush your heart. And ultimately, the goal of the enemy is to strangle your destiny because he knows you're made in the image of God. And whether or not you're aware of that tonight, I've got something to tell you tonight. You are made in the image of God and you have a tremendous destiny. And you may be at this stage in your life just exploring God and entertaining the possibility that he exists. But I want to say to you tonight, as sure as, a, as an enemy of your soul that is trying to keep you down with shame and lies, there is a God in heaven that loves you and um, you are not created for shame. Can I say, you are not created to carry shame. The reason it feels so uncomfortable, the reason why we'll anesthetize with drugs and alcohol and Netflix and relationships and busyness and perfectionism is because you were never, ever created to carry shame. The world says shame on you, but God tonight says to you, shame off you so that you're free to fulfill your destiny. I believe tonight with all my heart, it was so interesting. I was saying to Pastor Frank, I had a word on my heart for this church and it got to Monday and I just felt so strongly God was telling me, share this with this church because I believe tonight God wants to set some people free from the power of shame and break the chains so that you can move forward in your destiny. Um, I... When um, God began to um, deal with this root system of shame in my life, because, you know, he loves you. That, there's a song out recently, it's a common uh, phrase, you know, God loves you too much to leave you the way he finds you. And I want to say tonight, he loves you and accepts you right where you are. But part of the rest restoration of God, part of the kindness of God is that he deals with things inside of us. And so in God removing this root system that had actually grown up, through this dirty little secret our family kept and not being able to be free to share what was really going on is God asked me three questions. And I want to ask you the same questions tonight. And the first one is, do you know what I said? 
Do you know what I said? God asked me, do you know what I said? Um, it's so interesting and probably um, one of the more hilarious things about kids is nobody teaches them to be naughty. Have you noticed that? <laughs> nobody teaches them. It, their, their humanness emerges really, really early. And my son, um, without being taught, um, one of the things they, they tried to do and often do is try to play one parent off the other. Anyone's kids do that? We've got a little saying in our house to remind our kids um, that we're on the same team. Like, mummy and daddy say the same thing. They've even done it in front of us. Mummy, what do you say? Daddy, how about you? What do you say? Um, and what my son doesn't realise, particularly the eldest, is that I've known his father longer than he's even been alive. I actually know Andrew a whole lot better than my kids. They think they know him pretty well um, and they love him, but um, I know him. I know his values. I know his priorities. I even know the sentences and the words and the phrases my husband uses. He's a, an incredibly kind man. He's pure of speech. If anyone told me they heard a swear word out of Andrew's mouth, I'm like, that's the wrong Andrew. <laughs> he just does not speak like that. It's not the accent he has. It's not the words he's adopted. And it's really interesting in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, when the enemy comes to Eve, the first mother in the Garden of Eden, he says to her, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You know, what the enemy started with Eve is an old trick that he's playing right now at times on you and I. Questioning the words of God. Did God really say that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Did God really say that through faith and patience you can inherit the promises of God? Did God really say no good thing he'll withhold from you? Did God really say you could feed on his faithfulness? Did he really say it? Throwing doubt on what God said. And it, it shakes our stability in God's word and therefore opens our life up to shame because of the lies of the enemy. And I want to say tonight, whilst it is all God, grace is all God, God has given you the capacity as a human made in his image to arrest the lies of the enemy about our identity and know the truth of what God says. I put it like this. We need to become, in, especially in this generation, stage five clingers to the Word of God. We actually need to be the kind of people that take a hold of the Word of God and eat it for breakfast and thus closing our life to the lies of the enemy. You know, Throughout the Bible, there is examples of people that did exactly this. David told his soul the Word of God. You talk about great preachers that you respect, like T.D. Jakes or Priscilla Shira. Or David's like, you know what? Before I'm a preacher to anybody else or a king to anybody else, I'm going to be a preacher to my own soul. I'm going to take the Word of God and I'm going to tell you, soul, why are you downcast? You will yet praise God. 
You know, Psalm 1, and this became for me something I ate up day in, day out through periods of God uprooting that shame in my life. It says the blessed person, the person that lives a life that is blessed is the person that delights in the word of God and on his word he meditates day and night. Hebrews 4 says, it is a living and active double-edged sword dividing between soul and spirit. You know, God's Word, more than any other book, and in fact, the only book that has this quality, you can read a million books, motivational books, self-help books, and they are great, many of them. They observe things that God has put in nature and reality, but no other book on the earth actually has power, wonder-working power to get inside of you, to kill off the weeds, grow the plants, and change you from the inside out. You need to know his word to combat the lies of the enemy. Do you know what he said? Do you, church, do you, individual, do you, young woman, struggling with your identity, do you, young man, wondering about your future, do you know what he said? Cling to his word. Take a hold of it. And it will have power over shame. I've seen it work in my own life. Do you know what he said? The second thing um, God asked me is, do you know I'm good? Do you know that I'm good? You know, you might believe he exists, but unless you know he's good, it really has no power. <laughs> um, in 2014 in Sydney, and you are likely to have read about it or heard about it on the news, we had a siege at the Lint Cafe in Martin Place, a very iconic place in Sydney. It's been recently on the news. And I followed this story with great interest, as most of the nation did. Um, and as the news came out, um, once the, the, the survivors were out of the building, they interviewed different ones and some had patent fear on their faces, as you would. Like, there is no judgment from me. It was a horrific incident and watching it unfold was actually just scary. But there was one particular woman um, and every time I saw her interviewed on the news, she said nothing about her background or a belief system. But I looked at her and I'm like, there is something about this woman that is different to every other survivor in this siege. And I kept on saying to Andrew, my husband, there is something about this woman, I've got to go investigating. And so I went investigating and I, I came across a little later an interview um, with this woman. Her name is actually Louisa Hope. And she talked about the siege and what was going through her head during the siege. And um, she actually has Christian faith. And she said, she recounted being in the siege and she said, yeah, I, I prayed because that's what I do. It was just an overflow of who I was, who I am. And she said, my mind and my emotions were going absolutely crazy. But, you know, deep in my spirit, I had incredible peace because I had hope, because I knew that God is good and he does good, as it says in Psalm 109. I knew that God is good, and he does good. You know, um, Genesis 3, 4 to 5 says, the enemy said to Eve, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You know, 
In the Garden of Eden, when Satan was lying to Eve about God's words, he also cast aspersions on God's character. He says to Eve, yeah, sure, okay, so he really did say that, but do you know he's holding out on you? He's actually holding out on you because he knows that if you eat this, you're going to get something better. And, you know, at the core of the enemy's lies to you about your identity, about God holding out on you, about you maybe sitting here as a single woman and saying, God has held out on me. I never got to be a mother on Mother's Day. Or as a mother, you know, I'm struggling with my kids. I I just don't know if God is actually good. Do you know at the core of it, it's an old lie? Because the enemy knows that if he can get you believing that God is not good, he knows he can separate you from the grace and the goodness of God when you stuff up. He knows that you will, out of shame, if he can get you to doubt the character and the goodness of God, that you will not run into the arms of God when you're hurt and broken, that you will not run into the arms of God when you've sinned and done the wrong thing, that you will not trust the nature and character of God. And so therefore you will not turn to him. And if I could have the keys up, that would be amazing. And it will hold you in a cycle of shame because you believe that God is not good and he can't be trusted. You know, I don't know, um, I know a few people here tonight but I don't know the things that you may be struggling with, whether it's the shame of regret. Maybe for some here, it's a secret addiction. Maybe, um, maybe it's just a circumstance that you didn't predict in your workplace that you didn't, um, you didn't want. And maybe it's just filled you with shame tonight. And you're like, God, I, I just don't know how to shake this off. <laughs> Do you know that God is so good, so good that He's actually even present in the consequences of your sin, that He is even present in the consequences of your brokenness. I I just think He's so kind. You know, when when I was dealing with the, the aftermath of some of the shame that had taken root in my life from, from that secret my family kept and the feelings that just um, deeply undermined my identity. I just found God so kind that He would even be present in the healing as I made myself vulnerable to Him. You know, far from removing Himself from our consequences, far from removing Himself from our shame, He actually presences Himself in our shame. He actually presences Himself in our brokenness. He presences Himself even when we've been the one who has sinned to bring shame on ourselves. You know, it says in Psalm 25 verse 3, No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. Isn't that an amazing truth that even in my shame, Even when I do the wrong thing, as I put my hope in Him, He says, I am not going to put you to shame because I'm good. Do you know tonight that God is good toward you? Do you know that He is, it it says, you know, how, how multitudinous are your thoughts to me, oh God, it says in the Psalms. Like you think about me all the time. When I'm missing, you think about me. When I'm broken, you think about me. When I'm stuffed up, you think about me, Lord. 
But not just that. He didn't just ask me those things. Do you know what I've said? Do you know that I'm good? He asked me, where are you? Where are you? You know, when shame takes root in a person's life, when when shame makes its home in your life, um, our natural inclination as people is to run and hide the minute it enters. And it's it's so interesting with Adam and Eve that when when they when they sin before God, when they, they take the bait, they question God's goodness, they question his words. It's so interesting that instantly, the minute their eyes are open to their own nakedness and failure, there is a sudden awareness and then they put together their own coverings. Genesis 3 verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realised they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And can I, can I just say, it's, it's hilarious. It's, it's bizarre. But we kind of do the same. You know, whether it's the prison of perfection, I just, I am such a sucker for that. You know, it's not okay on the inside, so I need to make it okay on the outside. Maybe for you, it's the distraction of busyness. You know, I I was telling Aylan on the way here, you know, I I had such an ego that I would try and get to work at 6am when I was teaching, but really at the heart of it, it was shame driven that I'm going to distract myself with busyness so I never have to face what's really going on on the inside. Maybe it's the anesthetic of Netflix. Where are you hiding? Can I just say, God never asks it for his benefit. He knows where you are. <laughs> he knows what's behind the fig leaves because he made it. Um, <laughs> you know, he knows exactly where you are, but he's so kind. He asks for our benefit so we will locate ourselves uncover our heart to Him so that we can be restored. You know, when my kids muck up and hide and I call for them, do you know it is never in my heart as a mother to expose them and shame them and judge them? It's actually to correct them and restore them. I I had a little incident recently, my son, my little, my eldest son, (laughs) the butt of all these jokes, the swimmer, um, is doing this reading program at the moment. And um, he's doing really, really well. But he got to a bit that he just found too hard. And so he threw the iPad away and put the blankets over his head. And I watched him have his first episode of shame. And it, it took me to actually uncover the blankets and say, Ollie, I want to help you. I want to work through it with you. And he slowly trusted me. Do you you know Father God is like that? Would you come to me? Would you let me perform a miracle of grace in your life? But you can't heal what you won't reveal. He can't actually heal in our life what we won't reveal to him. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, Check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.